Hey everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you, of course, can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, today, Dr. Sean Humbert is back to provide an update on our Blister Lab Ski Flex project and to explain how and why ski boots are becoming an integral part of this project, too. And for those of you who are new to these parts, well, Blister Labs is a collaboration we launched two years ago between Blister Western Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado, and CU Boulder. And we've got some pretty cool news here. For those of you who are going to be coming to our Blister Summit here in Mount Crested Butte, Colorado, that kicks off this Sunday afternoon, February 4th through the 8th. Well, we are going to be continuing the conversation that you are about to listen to right now at our summit. And we are going to be inviting Moment Skis CEO Luke Jacobson and Atomic Ski Boots product manager Matt Manzer to chop it up with Sean and me on our Blister Labs panel session, which is taking place Wednesday, February 7th at 5 p.m. at the summit. And so we'll have Luke and Matt offer their thoughts on the potential and the challenges of this very project. And of course, those in the audience will also have an opportunity to ask their own questions and to check out the system that we are referencing in this conversation. So yeah, that is all taking place at our Blister Summit, which is this Sunday, February 4th through the 8th here in Mount Crested Butte. And the epicenter of the event is Elevation Hotel, which is where our Blister headquarters are located. This summit is shaping up to be another fantastic event with tons of inbounds and backcountry gear to demo from brands like Forefront and ON3P and Moment, Solomon, Rosignol, Vocal, Carve, Deuter, Dinastar, Folsom, Glade, Icelandic, Kessley, Majesty, Mountainflow, Ordovox, Phantom Glide, Raid, Rosignol, Zipfit, Zag, Weston, Never Summer, and there's a whole lot more than that. So you are not going to want to miss this event, and we will include a link in the show notes of this episode to the summit where you can register and get a ton more information. We are really, really excited to see a whole bunch of you there this Sunday. Unbelievable. It's actually here. Can't wait. But now, let's go ahead and talk about ski flex testing and ski boots with Dr. Sean Humbert. Here we go. Well, Sean, it's great to have you back on Gear 30. Um, we've got some updates on the ski flex test that we have been working on. And so um, let's talk about it a little bit. And I think we should start just by having you give a bit of a synopsis and recap of what we're working on here in the first place. Yeah. So thanks again, Jonathan. Great to be with you guys again. Yeah, let me just kind of start from, you know, our main goal, which was, you know, it's kind of built off the blister lab, or like blister goal, which is 
let's get riders in the best gear uh, for their particular use case. And so the holy grail for this would be, you know, if I could take a pair of skis and take a couple really simple measurements on a bench top and, you know, be able to post that data and that allows those folks to decide which, which gear to use. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't think this is possible um, because of all the different skill level variations and conditions and, um, you know, the subjectivity about the whole thing, um, too many variables, but you know, again, I like going after challenging problems, right? And I, I'm not a manufacturer and I like, you know, I don't have money on the line for this. Um, for me, this is just a really cool and interesting problem. As we've talked about, I've skied my whole life. Um, I've also had a lot of engineering background. I'd love to be able to marry the two, but, um, hmm. so, uh, we should probably talk about what, you know, what the design cycle looks like, uh, for these manufacturers. And let me give you my quick perspective. Um, which is probably very coarse. And I think you probably have a lot more intuition about this, but, um, you know, I think the larger companies have like things that are, you know, three, five, maybe even 10 years down the line. And, you know, they'll, they'll have an idea. They'll go fabricate a ski, build a prototype, then they'll go ski it in the field. And, you know, that costs money to build the prototype. It costs time for people to go do this. And, and the turnaround is, you know, maybe you can do it in a week if you're, you're kind of cranking and going pretty fast here. Um, but that's that's a lot of time and energy to spend on, you know, just evaluating a single point design. Um, mm -hmm. You know, of course, with these folks, there's a lot of institutional knowledge. Um, they've got designers that have been working for them for 15 or 20 years. Um, but from what I understand, that's sort of the state of the art. And I know some of these companies and manufacturers employ engineers. Um, and I know there's some tools that are being applied. There's some finite element like CAD models and things like that. But the whole point of what we're trying to do is connect those types of things, like a CAD model that gives you like a standard, uh, you know, modes and frequency kind of analysis on the bench top for a ski um, to what we experience in the field, right? And that that's the missing piece. And so if we can do that, you know, we could run, you know, instead of like a one week turnaround for like a single, uh, you know, design point of a ski, we could run a million simulations and a million parameter variations overnight and really explore the space. Um, and again, this is a hard problem. This is not something where you, know, you get a couple undergrads and you throw them at it for a week and it's done. This, this is like PhD level work to really dig in and try to understand all of this stuff. And hopefully on the call today, we'll get a chance to kind of explore what, what those pieces look like and, and what we're doing at, at Western and CU to, to kind of explore that part of it. But, but I'd love to hear what your uh, opinion is on sort of the, the design cycle for skis. And I, I know you've talked to these folks a lot more than I have. Yeah, well, I think you're certainly right that some of the larger companies, for sure, they are working two years, three years out. Um, I think that's a, a fine generalization for us to to say, you know, obviously, the further out than that, they're kind of looking at a more macro level at product lines okay we want to be doing this overall across the entire category i don't know that i think there are many ski companies out there that are already like okay we want to build a ski design for both inbounds and backcountry use and we have been working on that project that specific ski for say seven years that strikes me as that's that would be too far out in general. Um, and 
I'm probably now going to get hit up by certain manufacturers to say, no, no, we in fact did that on this particular ski. I just think that is going to be the exception rather than the rule. Mm -hmm. But certainly, Sean, in the conversations that you and I have had with a number of manufacturers, they have been really excited about this work on ski flex that we're doing here because of the dynamic modeling right so virtually every company has a kind of you know more or less i think we could call it a static ski flex machine ironic i mean i shouldn't call it static kind of an oxymoron there but you know where we're bending a ski you know we have it in a laboratory i mean we've built one of these right for blister labs you're moving that ski a little bit to start getting a flex profile of the entire ski But one of the things, and you'll be speaking more about this in a minute, we've talked about it on past Gear 30 conversations, is that we're looking to bring this on snow and see what these skis are actually, what those flex patterns and other qualities of the ski are look like when skiing moguls, right? When actually out there on the mountain. And I know that that's been of interest to manufacturers because, as you just said, that might allow them to speed up the prototyping phase, right? I'm going to shut up for a second and let you kind of throw the pass the ball over to you. But yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, so the hope is that we can do something like that. And again, I, I've talked to you know lots of ski designers and manufacturers like you have. Um, they don't do that. Most people think it's too hard, too many variables. Now, um, what we're doing with the dynamic modeling and the, like ski modeling in general, um, let me just kind of walk through that. Um, I'll try not to get into too much technical detail, um, but I know there's some engineers that listen to these podcasts. So oh, yeah. I do want to dig bunch. down a little bit in some places, right? So, but I'll try to keep it at super high level. So any sort of a model for a ski is basically a relationship between, you know, the conditions or the loads it's experiencing and then its motion, you know, its deformation and things like that. Now, um, what I do know that the ski manufacturers do is they have like these CAD or computer-aided design models. So you can pump in as much detail as you want of the ski. Um, but the problem is, you know, just like a benchtop test, like the stiffness test you were just talking about, there's really no way at this point to correlate uh, like what you see coming out of that model with what actually happens in yeah. the field. Right. Um, yeah. And that is such a challenging problem. So the model, and then, you know, the types of dynamic models we build, um, you know, there's a lot of math behind them and so forth. You know, we call them first principles models for writing down equations instead of doing detail in the computer, but they have the same uh, sort of problem is that they're only as good as the loads that you're, you know, the conditions you're imparting to the model. And that's the one thing that that's the missing piece. And that's where we started about a year and a half ago is saying, okay, well, is it even possible to, you know, go into the field and actually measure this stuff? So when I say loads or conditions, you know, this is forces and, and moments and stuff. Um, we don't really have good sensors to measure things like that. Um, unless you were to like take the ski apart and build some things into the ski, you know, like it's just a mess. Right? And so that's where our first, you know, the thrust of our effort here was, Hey, let's develop the technology to go, you know, take any ski and not change its properties by installing the sensors on there, go out and actually get the field data and then bring it back. Now, uh, so 
the data we can get with the sensors that we have to put on the skis, it, it's motion. So it's the skis motion, it's deformation, it's, you know, it's how it's turning, um, you know, like the, the global or like large scale kind of motions, we call that rigid body motion. So we can measure all that. And then the sort of vibrational, like higher frequency stuff, that's all the, 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 you know, vibrational modes, structural modes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've done in the last year or so is develop a sensor suite that we can install on any ski. Um, that will allow us to get both rigid body stuff as well as all the vibrational stuff. So, um, and you know, we're, uh, we just submitted a journal paper on this and we'll, you know, we'll have the link available. Once it gets accepted, we'll have the link available for everybody. Uh, but you'll see how we constructed yeah. that system. And again, I think this was a, a delta, a significant delta from what was in the field. But now, even if we can get that wonderful data in the field, that still doesn't give us the conditions on the ski. That, that tells us what the ski was doing in the field. It doesn't give us the conditions or the loads that the ski was experiencing. And that's where the modeling comes in, right? So if I, if I put the motion into the model, I should be able to back out what the conditions or the loads were, right? And so for simple systems, that, that's very straightforward, right? Like, Take a very simple equation like y equals 2x. If you give me y, I can solve for x, right? Um, the problem with the kind of models and the kind of equations that you, that are written down for skis, that inversion, like, is very difficult to do. And it's, it's called an ill-posed problem, which means there are lots of different loads that could produce the same deformations. And so we've been de- developing some tricks to kind of shrink down that solution space to figure out exactly kind of what the models are. Um, but like I said, that's kind of the, you know, the main uh, thrust that we've been working on for this first year. And I think we've made a lot of progress there too. Last time we talked, which uh, was unfortunately quite a while ago, but you know, we were talking about how we're using machine learning to kind of help us uh, kind of figure out what those load cases were. Um, yeah, and again, I'm not gonna get into too much detail there, but um, so that that's kind of where we are. We're at the point where we can actually back out loading conditions on skis in the field. Um, but now what do we, you know, where do we go? What do we do now? So that, it, you know, the one set of skis that we have was a, um, it was like a Blizzard Bonafide or something. So we mm-hmm. have, you know, and it was me skiing for most of the data. Uh, we've been getting some other folks up recently too, but um, that's, you know, a limited number of conditions, one skier, uh, one skiing style, right? In order to really properly do this, you need to get lots of skis, lots of skiers, lots of different skill levels and all that sort of stuff. And so that's kind of the first part, right? So I think in what we're doing with you next week, you're going to give us, you know, at least four pairs of skis. Um, we've got the yep. sensor suites now to integrate on those. We'll turn that around pretty quickly. We'll give that to you and your reviewers. Um, and then, you know, they'll be able to go ski as well as, uh, you know, write down their qualitative reviews of this stuff. Um, and then I'll talk about what we do with that data in a moment, right? Those two pieces of data. But, mm-hmm. you know, so we've been thinking quite a bit about this modeling. Again, I'm sorry to monopolize the conversation here, but again, I'm just so excited nope. about this stuff. But um, <laughs> so, you know, obviously the first thing to do is is model the ski, right? So you want to do ski design, you want to model the ski. Uh, but, you know, we've been thinking about this and the main way a rider or a skier interfaces with the ski is through the boot, right? So mm-hmm. you can have as much detail as you want in the ski. Like if you're not taking into account the boot stiffnesses and, and these really are 3d nonlinear springs, right? And again, we're not trying to, you know, 
reevaluate or set some new standard for how boots are described or related. We're just trying to model it so that we can understand it. Um, so we've been developing a test rig to be able to model the 3D stiffness for the boot. And then not only the boot matters, you know, the bindings and all that stuff too, and you know, how, how well those are sitting on the skis and where they're located. Um, but also, you know, the rider position, the position of your center of gravity, right? Are, is your torso, yeah. you know, turned or is it going forward? Because the angles or the orientation of your ankles are basically the input to the skis. So you have to model all of that as well. Uh, so we've been thinking about how to do that. Again, we're, we're taking the boot piece and we're doing some quantitative stuff to be able to develop those models. Um, now we're thinking about, you know, how do we instrument the human or the skier to be able to collect all of that data as well to, to form these sort of, you know, you know, potentially benchtop tests where you can immediately go and identify, oh, hey, this is the ski for this person. You need all of this data. You need this fully integrated model. Um, you know, it's forced to go through the literature and there are, you know, quite a bit of, you know, it's some really amazing work, you know, different people in different places. Uh, so, some it's academic, some it's more industry focused. Some they're just ski enthusiasts just trying to understand things better. But, you know, I see pieces of this kind of all over, right? People have tried to modi or sorry, model the body of the ski and try to do all that. So I, I think what we're doing in our major contribution this year is trying to pull all of that together kind of in one uh, one run, one kind of final piece. Um, and then, so I think, you know, again, that, that's sort of the quantitative stuff. And you and I have always wanted to, to marry the qualitative and the quantitative. And we spoke a little bit about this last time we talked. Uh, this is the machine learning and artificial intelligence piece, right? And let me just say a few quick things about that, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So like machine learning or AI, uh, you know, fancy stuff getting thrown on everywhere. Like it's just a really popular yeah. kind of trendy thing right now. But in its simplest form, it just tries, you know, like it's a black box you train up and it tries to learn like inputs and outputs, right? So a relationship between two things. And so the data that we're collecting, you know, we're getting in-field data and deflections and then we'll get loads out of that, which is something we can calculate afterward. So we can get the data for, you know, a given skier on a given conditions, um, you know, given, you know, sort of maybe I've got some real stiff boots, you know, whatever this stuff is, we can feed that in and then we can marry that with, um, you know, some of the, the qualitative aspects that your folks are producing. Like, you know, the ski is hooky, right? Or uh, the tails are easy to release here. Like we can take that and marry it together. And machine learning can actually like learn the relationship between those things. Now you need a lot of data, right? Like it isn't one ski or even five skis. You know, this is a hundred skis with a hundred mm -hmm. riders, right? But if you have that level of data, you can use like, say the first 80% of that to train up the model, and then you can yes. validate it with the next 20%. But then that's mm -hmm. why something, now we could take, you can go instrument a ski, ski it, grab that data, pump it through the black box, if you will, and that'll tell you mm -hmm. what the qualitative aspect should be and where this ski should be placed, or if you're pushing on the right mm -hmm. kind of parameters and things. But so anyway, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm getting too deep here, Jonathan. Um, no, you're not. I, no, you're not. I, I can tell. No, we, yeah, I can we, <laughs> we never apologize for depth on Gear 30. Yeah. This is like Gear 30, it should be, we could rename it like Hall Pass for Depth, you know? So like <laughs> yeah. if anybody ever, if I'm ever like, Sean, this is too deep, stop it. Yeah. I have to fire myself from Gear 30. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. 
No, I'm just excited, Jonathan. I'm, I'm just really, really fired up about all this stuff. And so I think a couple, a couple things I'll say back to, you know, if somebody's listening to this, be like, okay, whoa, I maybe got lost somewhere along the line and all that. That's fine. Um, but we started by talking a bit about the potential here for the manufacturing and prototyping of new skis. So if there's a company and they're saying, hey, we want to make, you know, a more directional, chargier ski that has incredibly good high speed top end stability. That's what we're doing. You know, we're going to make that ski. Some of the things that we're talking about here could help in terms of speeding up that prototyping process and maybe um, result in fewer kind of false starts, failed attempts in that way. Or, you know, conversely, if they're like, hey, we want to make a super fun, really playful ski, we are would be potentially offering some profiles here of like, okay, you want to build a ski like that? Well, here are some other skis out there that, because they all, they all, by the way, I get these phone calls, right? They're like, it's actually exactly this. They're like, we're looking to build a chargier thing. What do you guys at Blister currently like out there in the market? And we have these conversations all the time. So we know this is already happening. But now, if they, if we then maybe were supplying answers to a certain manufacturer, like, well, we really like, if, if that's what you're going for, we think these four or five models are some of the current benchmarks, reference skis in that area. We could pull profiles that might be able to help manufacturers just expedite that prototyping phase. So that's one possibility here for manufacturers. For skiers, where we think this might go is that if we are able to make, you know, some of these profiles available on certain skis, let's say I have a thing for more directional chargier skis. As new skis come out, if we are able to show people all around the world, recreational skiers, here are the profiles of some of the skis you've really gotten along well with in the past. Here is the written review, the qualitative review from a me plus Luke Kappa plus Eric Friesen. But here also is the kind of profile, the quantitative profile of that new ski. The idea here is we might be on the road to something that we've talked about this. There's reasons why I've re resisted like the, the ski recommendation engine, because I think most of everything I've seen out there is crap. Basically, it's way too yeah. inaccurate to deserve the name of like, this is a system where you punch something in and it actually put, you know, puts out a result that's actually relevant or mm -hmm. frankly, remotely accurate right yeah. so that's where you know I'll, I'll shut up here in a sec but i think those are kind of the two areas at the moment that we're both still like this is where we're seeing the maybe the best applications of where this goes yeah. do you agree with that or have i missed something yeah for the the so the difficult thing is what is a profile right i think that's what we've been trying to to hone in on forever yeah you know a profile could be you know, you could get all these frequency response plots, like all this quantitative stuff. But for an average person mm -hmm. that's not an engineer, it means absolutely nothing. Even for the engineers right now, even if you have some of that benchtop data, it's still like there's no connection to anything in the field, right? You know, what we're envisioning here 
is we go in, you know, you, you give me the ski, I go instrument it, which, you know, takes a day uh, to put the sensor suite on there. Um, and then we have somebody go ski it and then we pump it through our model. And that tells us, you know, I mean, the simplest version of this could be like kind of a bar graph. You've got, you know, playful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, directional, you've got all, you know, you've got a, a component, like a qualitative measurement based off yeah. the kinematics of the ski plus the predicted loads and all the other stuff that we get it. So it's a mm-hmm. quantitative assessment, right? Not just sort of, oh, hey, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Like I said, a lot of inaccuracy in the in sort of the current stuff, right? But a really, truly quantitative aspect of that. Again, the simplest version of that may mm-hmm. be like some sort of a bar graph or something. Um, but I, I envision something more interactive and more, you know, maybe you have some sliders, you drag what you think you like, mm-hmm. right? And it'll, it'll, it'll pop up, you know, five skis that might be... But again, it's going to be from a, a quantitative standpoint from in-field measurements, right? So, yeah. I mean, again, I think the closest thing that we have to this is, hey, I prototype something, I go ski it, um, and then we say this is a directional ski, right? The manufacturer does, right? That's all we have right now, right? We don't have, like, you know, it's directional, right? But maybe for somebody else, you know, it's it doesn't quite feel like that, right? And so we're going to have all those distinctions um, and all those subtleties kind of built in. So again, that, that, yeah, that's where the first thing is. Now, um, if we have models that can do that, we can also have models that, you know, kind of explore the parameter space. You know, I, you know, again, we've talked about how ski design has evolved, you know, you know 40 years ago when the parabola, the shaped skis started coming out. Yep. You know, the physics is there. It wasn't, you know, if, if I make the tip and the tail wider and I take a turn, it's going to bend the ski more because the, the tip and tail are going to engage and not the middle of the ski. Like, so the, the basic physics is there. Um, sometimes it takes us a long time to stumble upon it, right? Um, rocker, all, geometry, all of this mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like it, um, but if, you know, I think one thing that's relatively unexplored. Um, so you've got the, the, the bending and the torsional stiffness profiles. And that's what a lot of people publish even on the skis and measure. And, and I think for a long time, that's been kind of the major design uh, knob, right? Is kind of playing with these like stiffness profiles. But mechanical systems aren't just stiffness, there's damping. And I know manufacturers have been playing around with this for a while, right? I think it's pretty ad hoc. Like sometimes, you know, the, like the Elon ski, the ripsticks from a couple of years ago had like, you know, uh, not a symmetric geometry, right? They had different materials. Yeah. And so that, you know, you get a better, different feel for the ski, but there was a left and a right ski, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it changed the damp. So you're playing with the damping as a function of the length. Um, and then I think K2 with the mind benders, maybe it was like two, three years ago, we we're talking to Judd, like, you know, uh, they're pushing the the mass out towards the tip and tail instead of like what Rosie did, which was like kind of lighten them up and honeycomb kind of structures out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember skiing those out at the blister summit like two years ago. Um, it was, it, you know, it was a, a snowy kind of cruddy day, but those things did really well and, you know, and that stuff. But, um, you know, that's something that hasn't been played with uh, is mass distribution quite a bit. But if we have models that can actually relate a lot of these things, you can go play around and do, you know, run a million different mass distribution profiles and just see what pops up, right? Just see if something comes out that we've missed. Again, we, we've missed things in the ski design industry for sometimes for 20 or 30 years, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's the other potential benefit for manufacturers is that we could give them uh, a rapid way to kind of explore a design space. Um, Again, I wouldn't use this tool necessarily as a place to go design skis, but it'll it'll point you in a direction, like you're mentioning. 
Um, so, hey, well, why don't we try this? You know, like the models are saying that this might actually produce, um, you know, a ski that's great and, you know, on the front side, but can also be taken out and you know, do a little backcountry with. Like, you know, I think they could, you know, we could give them some, some information and some direction on kind of some things to explore there. You know, of course, uh, proofs in the pudding. So I always want to build it and go test it eventually. Right. But I think we could speed that up quite a bit. Well, Sean, I want to kind of move back for a minute. You, you said that one of the newer things that's come along in this project is the recognition that we're going to have to learn more about that boot interface, the thing connecting the actual person standing on the ski to the ski is the boot. And so I know you also said earlier, like, look, we're not making that holy grail claim of like, we are right now on the cusp of developing kind of that, you know, universal objective new flex rating for ski boots. Still a holy grail project of ours, still something we'd like to get there. You know, if, if we can, we're going to keep working toward that. My question for you is, with what you're talking about today, about now measuring what's happening at the boot level, do you think that work will actually end up being a step toward that kind of holy grail project? Yeah, and that's a great question, Jonathan. Um, I think so. Uh, so, as you mentioned, the fundamental way we interact with the ski is through the boot. Um, and, and I know we've talked with boot manufacturers and we've had interesting discussions about yep. there's so many variables and how do you actually, you know, try to model all that stuff or come up with. Um, so let me at least speak to what we have available to us right now. And then I'll talk a little bit about yeah. the possibility of like a holy grail. Um, so yeah. with a single flex rating, um, you know, most people think it's just a constant stiffness, right? Like that that's kind of what a, a stiffness rating is. So if you give me a spring and has a, a spring rate of 100 newtons per meter or something like that, it's a constant stiffness. But as we've discussed, you know, there are boots that, you know, it's very easy to get into the flex, but then ramp up pretty yep. quick, right? Or there's the wall you hit right away, right? And maybe it backs down mm -hmm. a little bit. So that's a curve, right? That's not a, that's not a linear yep. kind of one parameter kind of estimate. And that has so much to do with how the ski is controlled and, and your ability to control the ski. So I think what the models were developing, one of the, the awesome things, and again, there's a lot of theory and engineering and there's a lot of, uh, you know, tools that have been developed, you know, for very different, you know, complex systems, but, you know, controllability and un like sort of uh, your ability to actuate a ski in a particular direction. We, these are things we can quantify right away, right? Like, you know, we, we can tell you exactly what, what's going to work and what's not going to work. Right. So, you know, in combination with our ski models, we've now got, you know, again, we're starting to build these rigs to do these like 3D stiffness measurements. So not just forward and back, but also laterally too, right? It, it's a full 3D problem. It really is, right? Um, now, again, this depends on how tight your boots are and, and all sorts of stuff, right? Like, you know, some people's ankles are have a lot of you know, very different geometry and the boot hits in different places. So it, it's a complex problem. So I'm not saying we're solving it out of the box here, but, you know, having that change or differential stiffness, depending on the flex, you know, that that's mm -hmm. that's a huge thing. Right. Like like that tells me, you know, the stiffer the boot, you know, the more control you have over the ski. Like if you're trying to design, you know, design the, mm. the, the, yeah. the skier interface, it's, 
you know, that, that's, that, that's a huge parameter that I think we lose with the, you know, the single measurement. So I think at mm-hmm. first we're just trying to characterize boots. Like, like, let's just go like, this is a mechanical 3d nonlinear spring. Let's just go identify it, you know? And so, and we're really appreciative that you're going to give us some boots here in the next week or two to, yeah. to plug in and start doing these measurements. Um, but the next step is to introduce those in our models and show how the varying stiffness actually affects your ability to, to maneuver the ski. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't always want to be you know, hard charging and really you know, tight control. Sometimes you want a little bit of flex and sometimes you want a little bit. So, you know, we're, we're going to go kind of peel the onion back on this. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the next step is kind of modeling the human and, and your the orientation of your ankles, which essentially is the main input to the skis. Right. Um, and plus all of your, your body, like your, your limb locations and your center of gravity that also affects all of this stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. I think once we understand this though, I, we could probably come up with something better than like a single number. Again, I, I know boot manufacturers <laughs> yeah. have been doing this forever and I don't want to argue, you know, it, you know, I'm not trying to argue against, you know, that opinion or that perspective, but I do think we could at least provide some interpretation of, you know, when you do have a varying stiffness across the usage, um, you know, what, what is the interpretation for that? Like physically, what is that going to give you? Um, and, you know, if you're a skier, that's really aggressive. Like this, this will help you decide kind of what boot you want, you know, maybe encourage you to try something different and, you know, explore a mm-hmm. different space for yourself. Yeah. Especially as new products come out. And so, you know, there's some people that, and we've kind of exploded this, like in the past, people would say things like, oh, well, I have a Lang foot or I have a Solomon foot or something. First of all, and we've said that kind of went away quite a while ago. Fits have really changed in ski boots. So anybody that's still making that type of claim, your claim has probably now is probably now outdated. If as we start moving, and we've talked about this on Gear 30 podcasts in the past, as we start moving away from a static like this boots a 130 or a 120 or a 110, if we start showing things more in terms of curves, that should also help skiers when a new boot comes out, they have maybe their favorite boot or two. If they see those curves, new boot comes out and that curve looks pretty similar or radically different from what they're used to, that I think could really be yet another data point to help people figure out if that new $700, $800, $900 boot is a product that might be something they ought to really, really consider or like, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to rule that one out. And again, we'll obviously still be doing our reviews of the products, but again, we're just about like, how do we put out more meaningful consumer product information at every step to continue to help line people up with the right expensive products? Absolutely. Yeah. Let me just follow that real quick, Jonathan. Um, Yeah. I love what you just said, uh, you know, putting people in the right boots, you know, as you mentioned, a curve would help somebody, you know, correlate that back to an experience that, or boot that they enjoyed. Um, I'm really excited that the modeling work we're doing, um, is going to be able to contribute to this as well. Right. So not only, Mm -hmm. you know, are your 
reviewers going out with skis, but they're going out with boots too. And we're getting qualitative um, information about the boots. That's going to help us identify, yeah. you know, curves for for different types of skiers, right? Folks mm-hmm. that are, you know, really aggressive and front side, hard charging versus playful backside kind of stuff. Um, I haven't thought about that much. And it, it's, it's a really, really cool problem. Um, and I'm really glad mm-hmm. that, you know, the sort of approach we've taken with like designing it or sorry, modeling skis is going to go directly to the boot, right? So we've already got mm-hmm. this framework that we're going to be able to apply to all the boot design as well. It's man, yeah. <laughs> um, the boot stuff's gonna be interesting. I mean, we're I know we're here supposedly talking about the ski thing that will be, but the, I mean, I've had thoughts about what we could do with Blister Labs on the boot side, but just more ideas, even in this conversation coming up. Um, you know, and I'll I'll share them. We'll see where this goes. Right? We're now we're now officially in the like. Let's we're just brainstorming. But you know, a big thing that um, we've talked a lot about on Gear Thirty is that the stiffness of a boot is actually going to change for two people depending on how much volume if of that boot their foot is taking up. Right? So a very very extremely tight um shell fit for somebody means that if i run a very tight fitting boot that boot should feel stiffer to me than somebody in that exact same boot exact same size who has a smaller narrower foot or a lower instep right and so what i think we're going to start being able to do is come up with information along those lines of taking into account right if we find you know um my my particular foot somebody that is skiing a boot in the same size as me but has a narrower or wider foot or a higher or lower in step right we're going to be able to kind of measure those two different people and i think that is going to be an interesting thing also temp temperature variation right Absolutely. Skiing boots on really, really warm days versus freezing cold days. How much variation are we seeing in a given boot, you know, based on temperature differences? That's stuff that is actually, I sounds, while I'm saying all this, it sounds like we're getting into the real minutia, but anybody that spent any amount of time in a ski boot knows there's huge differences here, you know, that we're talking about. And I, I like our ability to, just put out more information about how some of these boots are responding in really warm temps, really cold temps. If people who have pretty different foot shapes are having pretty different experiences in terms of that stiffness of a boot, or in some instances, no, not really. So I think we got a lot of fascinating areas to explore along these lines. Yeah, definitely. Um, And everything you just mentioned is all measurable, right? Like we can you know, we mm-hmm. can throw something in a fridge for a bit and go, you know, measure the stiffness. We can develop different, you know, shape ankle and, and sort of, yep. you know, leg shapes to put in and do the same measurement with different shapes. Yeah. So again, this is all measurable, but um, let me just hit on yep. something you, you talked about, which again, I think this is the whole point of what we're doing here is we want to allow people to use their ex- previous experience in innovative ways to get into the right equipment. Right. And single mm-hmm. numbers aren't doing it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do. 
I, and again, I think you summed mm-hmm. it up just perfectly, right? Let's, let, let's, mm-hmm. let's find, let's develop some innovative ways so that people can use their prior experience, uh, to select the gear that's best for them. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Well, listen, I think we leave it at that for now. And, um, here's our plan, right? We have a blister summit coming up very quickly. And what we're planning to do is do another Blister Labs panel session at the summit as we've done in the past. But I think this time around, because we just did this update, right? What I would like to do at our panel session is, you know, you and I will talk briefly about some of the things we just discussed here. But then I want to have that time really be a chance for people in the industry to be asking their questions for recreational skiers to be asking their questions about this, maybe clarifying for us what they're confused about or where they'd like to see this head. So I think that would be a really interesting opportunity. And, and I'll pass the ball to you. You're talking about like letting people come and get pretty interactive, seeing exa- well, you, tell us what, what would people be able to do at the summit? Yeah. So I really like kind of redesigning that panel. Um, you know, we've sat up there and discussed yeah. what we're doing. You know, we've got gear 30 podcasts that if you want to dig into the details, like we just did, um, I really want to have that interactive session. You know, we can get up and kind of give an overall summary and kind of refer folks back to this podcast, for instance. But, um, what we'll have at, at blister summit is, you know, we'll have one of our instrumented skis, you know, sitting there on a table. Um, and we'll have a monitor, so we're pulling the the sensor data off real time. So you can you know bend and flex the ski, you know, see the quality of data that's actually coming off the ski um, mm-hmm. that we we'd get from the field. Um, but also just to you know have some interactive sessions with sort of you know less formal yeah. environment, right? Like I, I'd rather have like ten or fifteen minutes of you and I give like an overview, and then like forty five or fifty minutes of us. Yeah. Like, you know, walking over to the ski and bending it, like, oh, talking about the different data and then how we take that data and actually do some estimation for some other, other, you know, stuff like deflection, right? Because we're not measuring mm-hmm. deflection directly, but, you know, I can talk about how we actually get deflection out of the measurements we're actually getting. You know, th- you know, roll your sleeves up, like, let's kind of think about it a little bit more. That's the kind of session I'd like to have. Yeah. And the other thing we'll do, I think, I mean, Hoji's going to be back at the summit and God knows we couldn't keep him off of panel sessions. And so for him to kind of get to check this out, see what he's most curious about, Matt Manzer is going to be there. I think like just getting a chance to have more industry people weigh in about, wow, that part looks particularly interesting. This other part looks to be the trickiest or the most complex. Um, that's, I think, what we're going to do at the summit and use that time. And so, um, it probably, yeah. So, actually, prediction is probably won't just be me and you. Like, Hoji will probably yeah, like find his way up, <laughs> up, up there. And, um, yeah. But we'll, we'll get some, we'll get some industry people weighing in on this as well. In addition to recreational skiers. And, and I think that part will be really, really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun, especially we get some folks talking about their design cycles for their company and, you know, mm. what engineering tools they, they potentially use. Sounds great, John. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sean, uh, appreciate it. Always fun to catch up. And um, I should let you get going, but excited to see you. Um, let's see. We're recording this on January 28th. So, this will go up this Friday on Gear 30. And then 
wow, the summit is a few days after that starts Sunday the 4th. We're slated to do this panel session, I think, on Wednesday the 7th. So um, that's our schedule of events, and we'll, we'll go chop it up at the summit some more. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jonathan. Always appreciate these conversations and looking forward to next week. Awesome, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See you soon. All right. See you, Jonathan. Well, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Sean Humbert for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. And to all of you who are about to make your way to Mount Crested Butte for the Blister Summit, safe travels. We cannot wait to see you. And be sure to bring your best questions for our Blister Labs panel session where we're going to be continuing today's conversation. All right, everybody, take good care. See you soon.